0: This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we were offering five conversations from episode 24, our review of last week's innovations in NAPL Care Congress, year two. Plus, from the vault, conversation 24.1 from season three, our review episode from last year's INCBCN1. This conversation starts with Jeff Lazarus commenting on patient needs and the specific question, which Alina Allen raised from the chair, on whether we should withhold diagnosis from patients in early disease. Jeff notes that this is a significant mistake recalling his own experiences with the Hep C community. We detour briefly into the impact of the FDA outcome on abuticolic acid on all these issues. Before shifting to discuss the second day, Jorn Schottenberg talks about the idea that while there were a limited number of posters at the meeting, the posters that were there were excellent and engaging, and the researchers could discuss them in detail. discussion of the second day starts with Jeff summarizing Alina Allen's talk about how to use AI in diagnostics. Jorn points out that we need more standardized patient reports if we are to use this data in AI, because the data has to be standardized for AI to take advantage of it. After this, Jorn discusses Mazenurian's talk, including his desire to have celebrities involved, and not surprisingly, his vision of Joran as Matt Damon. Mazen also found a video of Jeff Lazar speaking publicly in 2007, and Jeff provides background for how this video came to be. INCBCN is a different concept of what a medical conference can be. Year two was not the same as year one, but, like year one, was an exciting meeting, driven by a different perspective of what it wanted to achieve. It's an excellent conference, and occasionally eye-opening, an opportunity for you to listen, sit back, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion in our LinkedIn discussion group. I want to jump past the patient organizing session with a brief comment from you folks, if you want to, and then I want to move on to the next
1: day. Jeffrey Lazarus. I would just add that as always, it was good to hear from the patients. Alina Allen was chairing and she asked very directly in response to, I guess, maybe a small debate going on in liver Twitter, should people be diagnosed earlier and do the harms outweigh the benefits? And it the speaker, you know, the patient was very adamant that people have a right to know. They want to know, and it gives them the opportunity to to do something about it. They should not wait until they're in more of an advanced stage. It's similar to a discussion I had a couple months ago, where those with F1 were referred to as having a healthy liver. I understand how that could be seen from a hepatologist, but we had these discussions with hepatitis C here in in Copenhagen at the university hospital, where I was told you don't have an F3 or F4. This is maybe six, seven years ago, you shouldn't be treated. Um, people live with viruses all the time. And Denmark ended up being one of the last countries in Europe to remove their reimbursement restrictions. They were hugely mistaken for for so many reasons, including onward transmission. And it's the same thing. We've heard it from the patients. We know that people should be diagnosed early, provided the information they need so they can do something about it. Most of them we know will be overweight. They may have diabetes, so they will be in care. They will have other issues going on and they should be aware of this. We shouldn't be keeping it a secret um, from them as some hepatologists have been proposing lately.
0: Point well taken and I think really important. Remembering that we're coming a week after the FDA in the U.S. shot down butacolic acid, which as Jorn pointed out when we discussed this on podcast, denied hepatologists the chance to sit with patients and say, I have an option for you.
1: I think they have a lot of options. They just don't have a specific NASH drug. I mean, they have to then think out of the box. So, what about nutrition? What about lifestyle? What can they do to do a better job at getting patients to adhere to lifestyle interventions? It's a big setback for the field, but there's still things people can do. We are where we well, are.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think actually that there are things about that committee that suggested that we're not going to be there that long. That if, if they thought the efficacy guidepost was good enough, Enough. And I think you heard that. I heard that. Um, others heard that. Then a drug with a better safety profile should do better. And in theory, at least we have one of those coming in the next several months. So we'll see how that plays out. I want to move to the next morning because I thought that first session, which I wasn't sure whether I was hearing or dreaming because it was three o'clock in the morning in the States and I was
2: um, awake, but slightly fading in and out. Jaren Schattenberg. Georgia, let me just comment with something we had on the last day and I, we put a little bit to the end was, of course, the posters. So this is not a um, session where you send all a lot of abstracts, but I felt the ones we had were presented well. There was a woman from Libya, actually, um, a physician trained in uh, Spain. And I exchanged on her with her fatty liver program. She said she had a, you know, NITs using in her clinics. So I found that was really fascinating too. It was about getting younger people. I had some from my team present some of the data in addition to what's been sort of presented as an oral uh, presentation. So clearly the, the the posters sometimes come too short. But the people that were attending were really engaged, and, and that was also a good opportunity for younger folks.
0: As we discussed last week. I'm a big fan of poster sessions. So yeah, that's a good point to have made. Is there ways for people who did not attend the meeting to get access to any to, to
2: what's in the posters and to the, any of the commentary around them? We have the program book with the abstracts online. Um, the posters per se not online posted maybe something to take into the future maybe an important note and i thought a couple of those posters i did not get to obviously
0: hear any of them described but i was looking at them uh, friday afternoon when i was completely compass because it wasn't three in the morning and i thought some of them were really pretty spectacular all right so going to saturday morning first session Diagnostics.
1: I think the theme of that morning, which was kicked off by, by Dr. Alina Allen at the Mayo Clinic, was are we going to be able to use artificial intelligence to diagnose? Can we get the kinds of profiles analyzed? What are the advantages of AI over logistic regression studies? So you know, she really walked us through what was meant by AI, which has been around for a long time. She reminded us from the 1950s, but how we need to really give this a think in terms of of diagnostics. I don't know if Yarn wants to comment on that or on Dr. Mazen-Nuradine's entertain session uh, talk that came just after that
2: <laughs> Alina was great uh, let's summarize her talk up. Um, something we went uh, through discussing um, afterwards was that the quality of the data that goes into these algorithms is critical and I think the way physicians writes notes are very practical in the clinical everyday's work but it's not fit for you know exploration by AI at all levels so I think also one learning from me was that if we want to exploit that and use it to a bigger extent we probably more standardized terms now imagine that we change the name and the machine doesn't link those entities anymore right so the machine is going to learn that's for sure but anyway so one of my take-home messages was here that we need to also be very careful how we enter the data for the machine to be used perfectly and in algorithms mazin went on and i think he did a perfect job he had a, a little bit of a humoristic side linking this to the urgent need to actually loop in celebrities and kind of be um, a stakeholder for the Nash community to come out and talk about uh, Nash, I felt like he had uh, indicated me being uh, one of those celebrities, but then he he went back to somebody from the movies, and uh, I think we're trying to get him on board for next year. <laughs> celebrity, celebrity
1: Matt Damon, I'm sure. I, I was going to say, was that Matt Damon, or Charles?
2: <laughs> I think that's what it was. Yes. <laughs> He, he he did a great job. I'm shocked, shocked that Malvin would talk about you and Matt Damon in the same breath public. You know, the other, thing, Not like it's never happened the other thing he pulled out was, of course, a young Lazarus who did uh, elegantly uh, did an online recording for raising awareness. And I believe it was uh, HIV, Jeff. And it also reminded us that we really have to, at multiple levels, step up and really bring out the word about this disease and advanced disease. And, and, and actually, social media, as Jeff does so well, is
1: one of the momentums here. Yeah, that was he found an old video from 2007 when I gave the first talk in Europe in the community about hepatitis C. It was with the Correlation Network and he caught me on the second round when I, after I was done with the interview, the community group mentioned that they had to, for, forgot to turn on the camera so then we did the whole thing again. So that was that interview where we were telling them about hepatitis C since they were so focused on HIV and realizing that as antiretroviral therapy became available to people who injected drugs, um, they had to address their hepatitis C or they would have another set of problems.
0: James Joyce once famously said about the novel Finnegan's Wake, the first page, took me 17 years to write as you take a lifetime to read it. This is going to be the CliffsNotes version of 17 years of Finnegan's Wake. We've got 10 minutes for you folks to cover what you think were the high points of Saturday. And I might have a question at the end of that if we have time. So what on Saturday do you think were the most important things that happened and what was really an action-filled day?
2: Oh, there's more to come. And now back to Roger.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page in which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, we will post after the end of International Nash Day, after you have had the opportunity to consume a day of fantastic liver presentations. Until then, stay safe. Surf on. We'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye-bye now.